0: that you're born an Italian, if you want your life to be great, see that you're born an Italiano, and your life
1: will be great.
2: Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola, and I'm joined today by my partner in crime, the Italian American Wikipedia himself, Mr. Patrick O'Boyle, and the belle of Bensonhurst, Miss Rosella Rago, and we are just back from an amazing trip filming Greetings from Italian America. And I have to say, I am so excited about today's conversation because really it continues what we've been doing for the past couple of days and it brings in some new friends that we've made on our latest trip. But unlike most of our episodes of Greetings from Italian America, where we filmed kind of the well known little Italy's of America, this time we were somewhere that is sort of uncharted on the map of Italian America for many, many people. Uh, we spent a couple of days in the Ozarks, in northwest Arkansas, in a little Italian colony called Town, And I'm very specific when I say an Italian colony. This is a place founded by Italian immigrants, and we were there to celebrate the 123rd annual Town Grape Festival. So we made some amazing new friends, two of whom are going to join us on the podcast today. And uh, I think we've got a lot of great stories and information to share and I think everybody's going to enjoy it hopefully as much as we enjoyed our time there, because guys, I don't know about you, but I am still on Italian American high from our time amongst our Paisani and Tanti town.
0: Um, my own. I, I mean, I, I, I'm still recovering.
1: <laughs> That's absolutely true. You really have to say 123 years is really a, a monument.
2: I mean, with the pause for COVID last year, 124 years going of, Something that I think a vast majority of our audience is going to be very pleasantly surprised to know even exists. Even people that I know who are passionate Italian-Americans were amazingly surprised about our trip out there. And the people that I know that are like us, that are super nerds.
1: Don't use the word nerds.
2: Super passionate? What do you want to say?
1: It's derogatory. That's like, what was that big big. The bank theory, big bank theory. Yeah, wasn't that they nerds? I don't want to be in their category.
2: I'm proud to be a nerd, but okay, we're intellectuals. Super, super Italian American intellectual Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Professional like Italian Americans. They were I very, like the prof- very, intellectual.
1: Jealous. I like that's better. That's like we that nerds. We got to own it. No, I don't want to own it. <laughs> we got to like own it. No, because I don't. No.
0: we're a bunch of nerds. We got to own no, it. No,
1: no, no. Got to go with
0: it. We never, gotta, never,
1: never nerd. Bro, never. But no, let me let me say let me let me give some let me give some um, praise and uh, kudos to Tonty Town, Arkansas, as you know, because I'm a sick person. I need a lot of help. Right. On the last minute yesterday with my good friends, Tony Shillia, a.k.a. Tony Mange and Eric Lavin, we took a day trip that turned out to be 24 hours in the car to Boston for the feast of um, St. Agrippina. And I was speaking to a woman there from their committee and she goes, oh, you guys down there, meaning New York and New Jersey, like you have feasts that are older than ours meaning from before 1900 and i said that's true but tanti town fits into that category so tanti town's italian festival if you want to call it that predates anything in boston is that right it predates everything in boston yeah sure i mean there's there's no feast in boston uh, in boston now when you go out into the hinterland, I, I don't know but from what they told me yesterday none of their feasts now someone if someone's listening from boston please correct me that was just a conversation i had with someone she said none of our feasts go before 1900. I didn't think about that. And that would put Tanti Town in a very old category. The the, the feast that started with 18 fill in the blank. Yeah, I mean
2: 1898. Let me give my version of the history. And we've got two guests, two friends that we made, two new paisani that I think we're going to have uh, long and fruitful friendships with. They're in the green room here waiting for us to come on. So, ladies, you can hear now, me. once they the... get
1: to know us, they're going to run. <laughs> That's probably true. They're going to ring the plague right, bell in Tontytown. <laughs> <bom>,
2: I'd, run, <laughs> I'd run, bom. run, too. They probably don't want us ever coming back after this weekend. But uh, you can hear me. So when you do come on, if you want to correct me, please feel free. But the way I understood it, just to give a brief history of what we're talking about here, Tontytown, Arkansas, is a small town in the Ozarks in northwest Arkansas. Obviously, not a place that most people assume has a healthy and historic Italian-American community. But in the 1880s and 90s, a group of about 45 Italian families from the north of Italy came over under the impression that they were going to be working for a guy from New York at a plantation in southeastern Arkansas. And when they got there, it was in some ways kind of a scam. And the guy went belly up, and a priest named Father Pietro Bandini, who had come from Italy earlier, who had actually been here in New York City, who had been in Montana working with Native Americans, who had been all over the country. Uh, And he was in Manhattan? Yeah, he'd been in Manhattan. He's
1: the founding pastor of Most Precious Blood, which is the church that's associated with Manhattan's Italy. Though Manhattan had many, many Italian churches. Yeah. And probably in preeminence would be Mount Carmel in East Harlem. Um, All that being said, uh, Bandini was the founder of Most Precious Blood in Manhattan.
2: Yeah, this Father Bandini, this is a biography that I am anxious to get now that we're back because I I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't know how incredible of a figure he was. He basically found these 40-some-odd families and said, look, I think you're going to be a lot better off pursuing the kinds of agricultural livelihoods that you were familiar with in Italy. And he set out to find land in northwestern Arkansas where these Italian families could be engaged in viniculture, growing grapes and and vines and eventually winemaking. And so they sort of took this, like, trek together, and these founding families found this town, settled it together with Father Bandini at the head of it. And the way that the story was told to me... The families and Father Bandini had three or four years from the bank to pay off the loans they needed to take out to buy the property. Uh, the first year, the grape harvest didn't come in because of a flood, and then the second year because of a drought, and then the third year it came in And uh, in thanksgiving for this incredible harvest that allowed them to pay off the property, these families got together for a picnic. And that picnic evolved into 124 years later and 123 iterations later, the Taunty Town Grape Festival. And for us, I think the highlight was that these families and their descendants still get together and they make the same recipes they made on that first picnic, which is southern fried chicken, and Italian spaghetti, all homemade, handmade pasta, hand rolled, everything done by the community. And this year, we were three amongst the 7,000 plus servings, as far as they expected, uh, of spaghetti and fried chicken that were handed out over the course of three nights on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we just had the most amazing time. We got to meet some incredible people. Two of them are here to join us today, uh, thanks to uh, some quick thinking by Pat and uh, and their are ability to accommodate our schedule. So we really appreciate we have Heather Rinaldi-Peachy and Kara Joe Angle, who are both descended from the original families in Tontytown. Town. So, guys, uh, you're like the families that came over on the Mayflower for the rest of America. But for us and for Tontytown Town, you are uh, early settlers and we're really happy to have you and to be together again. So welcome to the podcast.
3: Hey, thanks for having us.
4: Thank
2: you. It's really a pleasure. So uh, I, I think I could speak for all of us in saying that we were able to experience something really unique as your guests in Tonty town. I don't know, Pat Rowe, what were your
1: takeaways? You want, I'm going to jump in. Not like that's out of my personality. (laughs) The first thing is that a Bandini was such an interesting character. He deserves his own podcast episode. True. Because of what went on in New York. He absolutely deserves his own podcast episode. The second thing is for those of you who are not familiar, we do the video series. Right, so we go out. Uh, this is John's baby, John's brainchild. We go to tank communities around the United States, and we, I guess, visually document them. John, would you say that's inaccurate? Yeah, that's our goal. Right, and one thing that I, we try to combat here, and I can only speak from the New York metro area because that's where I'm from. There's a there's a profound ignorance of the rest of the country. So there's this mentality is that there's like New York and everywhere else, or maybe New York, Boston, everywhere else, New York affiliate everywhere else, and there's the same condescension with the term that's that's used, I guess, in media flyover country, flyover country of Italian America. And, you know, my friend Paul Percelli, who documented the Italian feast around the country, he filmed 408. He used to tell me the most Italian places in America are, you know, parts of like rural Pennsylvania and and rural Ohio, people that the New York area or the, you know, I'd say the I-95 corridor would say there's Italians there. So I think that we've been mindful of the fact that we want to have a balanced perspective showing places like New York and also showing places like Town, Arkansas. And a lot of people with that same New York condescension, oh, why are you going to, why would you go to see a like, Italians in Arkansas? And I have to say, without a doubt, I was never more affected by an Italian moment than I was in Town, And the reason is for the people who are listening to this, I've said for a long time that our future is going to be based on what I've coined as elective identity in the sense that If you go by Italian-American organizations, they're constantly crying the death of the culture, the death of the Italian-American identity. And I say that an old perspective is dying and something new is coming out of it. How that's going to play out over time, I don't know. But one thing is that, yes, you're not going to stop intermarriage. That's going to happen. But the thing is going to be that when you have someone who's of multiple ethnicities or of a small percentage of Italian ethnicity, if they identify as being Italian, how are they not Italian-Americans, or how is our culture not alive? And if, they are, if they're genetically, by blood, just a little bit Italian, yet they identify as being Italian, what greater monument could we possibly ask for? What greater testament is there to us that not only are we going to survive, but we'll thrive in the future? We may look different. We may not be in the same place, but we'll thrive in the future. And Cara, Joe, you're the inspiration of that. Because when we first met you, I, I, I and was, I was listening to you, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, this girl's one eighth Italian, right? And your daughter is one You have two girls, am I correct? Correct, yes. They're sixteenth Italian. Yet yeah, you're like in the leadership of, of this festival that's, that kept it going, right? And when you spoke about it, you spoke about your family, when you got teared up, I was like, we don't have to worry because who we are is not based on a gene pool. And it was so moving to me. And the reason why I want to have you guys on is two reasons. A, I want people to know what we're doing with the video series, right? So that people don't have to wait till the videos are edited to see where we are, what we've done. And also, we can't have the same kind of conversation showing the video of the places we've been as we can with an actual conversation on the podcast. So that's why I was so, um, I was annoying, John. We got to get them on. But you guys inspired me so much. I mean, Heather. Your father, to be out in those fields with him and have him talk about, you know, I know he lost both of his, your father's 100% Italian, he lost both of his parents so young, to see the love he has for that land and that tradition. And and for those of you who were not there with us, Heather's family, they've been farming the same piece of land for how long? Um, Since
4: 1923. So this coming year will be 100 years.
1: 100 years. And as the area that your family farm is, and Town was all Italian family farms, you know. Like Carajo brought to our attention, like the streets are named for the founding Italian families. And as you're being pushed and, and forced out because all the farms around you are being bought up for development and your father's farm is kind of being surrounded by housing development. And your father is so committed to keeping that land. And I came away and all the other stuff was great. The festival, the people, you could not meet the nicest people you ever want to meet. Everything was spectacular. But what really blew me away, the wow moment was... These people, because you've you've been isolated from Italian communities because you're really in, in the heart of the South. Um, you didn't have the constant immigration like New Jersey. I'm 47. I went to school with kids who were immigrants from Italy. You know, we had immigration to the 90s. The New York, New Jersey area, Philly, Boston, Chicago, we had so much to keep the ties with Italy alive. And you guys, you've kind of like, your immigration stopped around the time of World War One. Yet, you know, we drive around Tanty Town and there's Italian flags and things Played like the green, white, and red. And it was so moving for me. I was just so blown away by that. And I think it's a lesson for the rest of not only Italian America, Italian Canada, Italian Australia, you know, that intermarriage is not a guarantee of our extinction. And you guys totally show that Italian culture can thrive without the DNA.
2: Let me introduce each of these ladies individually, and I'm going to start in reverse order of how we met them. But you bring up Heather's family, and I I want Heather – can you introduce a little bit about your family and what you guys do in town, how long you've been doing it, and uh, the unique case in that you guys are the last commercial grape growers and winemakers in what was a long line of uh, this industry. So so introduce yourself and your family a little bit for us.
4: Um, my name is Heather Renali pici I'm the fourth generation here in Tawny Town. Uh, Started with my great-grandpa, came from Italy to Arkansas um, in 1907, bought our farm in 1923. Uh, Today, my dad um, is the last commercial grape grower here in Tawny Town. My grandpa was a winemaker for Granada's Winery that was here. um, They closed, I think, in the early 80s. So the wine industry especially was always uh, part of our life after he passed away, my dad just made basement wine, all of my growing up. And then in 2008-ish, we, my husband and I had always helped tent my dad. And uh, we decided to pursue um, the idea of opening a winery of our own, just to kind of carry on the traditions that were important to our family. So we started looking for a property and then um opened the tawny town winery in october 2010 uh we named it uh something i think we didn't get to talk about when y'all were here we named it the tawny town winery because we felt like that and you know it could have been like the renali winery or whatever i guess the peachy Winery if we wanted to but um We thought that it's important because Tawny Town has such a a story to tell as far as, you know, lots of uh, stories, but uh, winemaking was such a big deal in this area. And so we felt like it was important to kind of encompass all of it and call it Tawny Town Winery. We have the history room. We've added pictures, things like that, because I think it's important for people to know that we're not the only one or just right now the last one.
1: Yeah, I
2: found that really amazing and I actually kind of felt that in the winery because you guys were able to not just buy a property but actually buy what had been a long time functioning winery, right?
4: Yep. We did. Um we bought it worked out so perfect because this house wasn't it had been for sale, the funding fell through and really believe that it all worked out perfect for us to be able to come along and buy this property um, because it did house the it was called Dixie Pride Bonded Winery number 40 um, so the 40th after prohibition also we loved the location you know because it was close to the center of town one of the things that they always say is whenever they founded Tawny Town they put the church where it was located because they felt like that was the center of the community, and I, I think that it's really cool that this house is within eye shot um, of the church, and also more importantly, it within earshot of those church bells because we love to hear those.
2: You know, you keep calling it the house, and I felt like we were <laughs> in a commercial winery for sure, but we were like being in your house because. So, for the audience that doesn't know. Kara Joe is a team member at the Tiny Town Winery as well. And that's how we ended up getting there because we basically, like we always do when we do these Greetings from Italian America episodes, we called the people behind the festival and they said, oh, you know, this young lady's going to meet you. And Cara was (laughs) kind enough to take some time off of work and meet us on a Thursday or a Wednesday, whatever it was, uh, in the middle of the week. And she said, oh, you know, you can come over and film and uh, I'll introduce you to Heather and her husband. And so it was a lot like being at home because the second we sat down in this. Commercial space out of an old home. It was part museum, it was part uh, gift shop, it was part tourist board, and it was part family room because we sat down in the restaurant and all of a sudden all this wonderful food came out and uh, the team at Dante Town Winery shared with us all these amazing delicacies that they've cooked up utilizing the grapes and stuff. So we blew right through our schedule and we just stayed and hung out forever, uh, and it was so much fun. But yeah, you guys really do keep the flame alive, not just commercially but spiritually as well. I, can one of you guys tell me, I, I know I discussed this with um, Chris, Heather's dad. At one point, there was like 14,000 acres of commercial grape growth down in Tonti Town. And is it true that it's just and now you guys are just 18 acres, right?
4: That's exactly right. Yeah, there was a Welch's juice plant in Springdale, um, which Springdale is like uh, a neighboring uh, city. A bigger city right next door. So Welch's was there. Um, so there were lots of grapes grown in Northwest Arkansas. Um, they left in um, also the early eighties. So with you know the wine industry starting to slow down, and then Welch's leaving, uh, there just wasn't anything to to do with the grapes. So people started pulling out vineyards at that time.
2: And Carrie, you were you were our. First ambassador upon arrival, and one of the things we talked about, you took us to the church, and you took us to the park across the street, which is essentially the heart of town. I mean, when what we found in Taunty Town was just one main road, which is Highway 412, it's kind of Main Street, and the church and a park across the street, and everything else radiates out from there. You were telling us a lot about the kind of changes that are going on. Introduce us to your family and, and how long you guys have been there, and if you can share with us a little bit about what's happening in Tanti town now
3: um so i am well the fifth and sixth generation so my great 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 grandfather along with his adult son uh felix which is my great great grandfather were two of the original settlers and so i am the sixth generation my daughters are the seventh and you know heather's family they have the the farm and um, the grapes and all of that. My family did more with the, uh, we had the Artemani Mercantile. I say we, I had no part in it at the time. Uh, but my uh, my great grandpa Beato and his brother had the Artemani Mercantile. And um, actually, also right here on the corner across from the church, just um, a couple doors down from now the winery so we did a lot. I say we, my, when I say we, my family, um, you know, did more with the farming as far as animals and, and things like that versus the great part of it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really hard. Like I was telling you guys and Pat, you mentioned to me choking up, but it's still really hard for me sometimes to talk about and you introducing us was fabulous. So I appreciate that. That made me choke up again. Um, but taking you guys out there and like I was telling you, Artimani is my Italian family name. The Artimanis were one of the original families over here in Tony Town and we live on Artimani Road. I have just under 11 acres is what my husband and I have of our part. and it's just really cool to be able to, you know, tell my girls that, you know, you are the seventh generation walking on the same piece of land that, you know, six generations before you and five before me. Um You know, we struggled together, we celebrated together and just all the good, all the bad, but doing it together. And so it's cool that I get to do that with my girls the same way that, you know, five generations before me, um, did that and prepared me for this. And so, um, you talk about the development and it's really tough because when my husband and I started building our house, we could look across Artemani road to, to the East and had beautiful sunrises and, shortly after we started building that property went up for sale. And again, you know, as some of the older generations are, um, are dying and their children are moving along and moving away from Tawny town, even they sell it. And this is a very sought after part of the country, part of Arkansas. Now we have a lot of people coming in the area, And, um, now to the East, my sunrises are blocked by, um, 120 rooftops and homes across there. And so, um, you talk about, you know, Heather and them protecting their farm and stuff. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do with just what's left, you know, my just under 11 acres. And, um, I showed y'all just the corner that I love to look at to the West and where the, when the sun sets and that's what I still have left and what I still look at every night. So it's just really important, you know, that we whatever it may be. And, you know, Heather's piece of it is the winery and the grapes. And um, my piece of it is just that 11 acres on Artavani road and passing that to my girls and passing on the stories. And some may have been true, some probably not, That you know, my previous generations passed on to me. And so that's, you know, that's what I'm doing is just every day. Basically, I try to just do something that preserves that not just for me, but for them and for their children as well.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: You're so connected to us in this, and I want to say this, is that, so I live, what, seven miles from Manhattan and COVID, you know, we had a decline. Like, you, know, you take all the Italian businesses that were around me, right? I could get bread whenever I wanted, wherever I wanted. I could get everything. That was just, I was surrounded by Italian, right? I, I'm in what we, we classify as Soprano land, 2 million Italian Americans in New Jersey. And what's happening is so similar what's happening to you. We have a family business. We have a bakery. We have a, a deli. We have a butcher shop. People want to come in and develop it. You know, grandpa started the butcher shop. Pop took it over. Uh, the kids don't want to do it. They don't want to put the hours in at the bakery, spending all their holidays working um, they don't want their hands to be uh, all burnt. And, and, you know, when you make mozzarella, for example, you know, for the cheese places that were the cheese mozzarella makers around me, you know, you put your hands in hot water. I had a neighbor who made mozzarella. He didn't have feeling in his hands when he was an older man. You know, the kids don't want to do that kind of work. You know, they want jobs working for somebody else. You know, pops seventy five eighty. He can't do it anymore. He sells the business to a developer. He makes a lot, a lot of money more money than he ever thought he would make, selling it, it gets developed, but we lose something. Mm -hmm. We're losing different aspects of the same culture. Our way of life is under attack by modernity, you know? But like we were saying, like some of those farmers that are out by you, they're going to get a windfall of money for selling that property they could never have imagined, right? Right. Some of the butchers and bakers and cheesemakers out here, they're going to sell that building. They're going to get more money they could ever have imagined, right? Can I stand in judgment and say to them, you worked your whole life. Your kids don't want to do that kind of work. You shouldn't get that lottery ticket. On the other hand, I see everything I knew kind of disappearing so much of it. So that's why I felt such a kindredness with you guys, because it's two aspects of the same battle.
3: Yep, you're right. Yes. And it's funny you talk about being connected. And I feel like I, I feel so honored. I feel like y'all are putting us on this pedestal. And it's really cool because I never you know, thought about it that way for us. And really you guys are, you know, celebrities in a way to, to me. And it's really neat that the way that you talk about us, but it was, um, it, it was so, you know, you talk about that connection. Um, when I, when I was driving you in in the car and you had all of y'all in the car and, um, parked in my driveway, looking back at the corner where I was telling you where we have the sunsets and I started getting emotional. And, um, I looked back and, all three of you, John Rowe and Pat, all three of you had this very like somber face as well. And I was telling my husband, I was like, it was crazy. I had known these people for an hour and a half. And I felt like, I was like, man, these are my people. Like they could feel it. And I could tell that you could feel it. And I could see like, john's face like he was looking out the window and i could see him like emotion in his face and he was talking about the same with his you know family and when they were moving and moving together and it was um i, I don't know it's just crazy to think that here we are in northwest arkansas surrounded by rose beloved cows um <laughs> forget, and- it. Forget, <laughs> the cows.
0: forget it but i just want to point out how we had this amazing connection with you almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Like we barely knew you, but like, you know, we became very fast friends. You know, by the end of that car ride, we were related and it almost didn't happen just because what I found out later when we went to the museum was the very sweet woman who is the uh, docent at the Town Historical Museum told us that she was supposed to actually be our guide. Mm -hmm. But they assigned her Ryan Calabretta at at the very last minute. And you had to like they like pulled you in to jump in to take care of these three Gavones from uh, these the Coast.
1: Oh, uh, here we go with another insult. <laughs> Why did now, now, Gafon? I'm not taking <laughs> well, that with oh you. You can hold you that right? one, I'm not taking, you that's worse.
0: Anything else that's worse than nerd. I'm going to come to
1: New Jersey and murder you. <laughs> Why would you say Gafon is a trigger word? That's like a Pavlovian dog, but anyway. Ro,
2: let, let Ro finish. Ro, you were saying. I don't know
3: what I was saying. I so don't we was we saying almost... how much you love me, Ro.
0: Yes, you, Cara Jo, <laughs> girl. Um, we almost
2: ended up with a different with a different tour we guide. We
0: almost ended up with a different with a different guide. We would have had a, a totally different experience. But these are the moments that I believe in 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 fate and destiny and synchronicity, whatever the hell you want to call it. But I just think that God puts certain people together for certain reasons. I think we would have had a totally different experience in Tonti Town without the two of you, without you, especially Cara Joe. I mean, it was like you're you are a long lost sister from Arkansas.
1: Yes. Cause we read your passion. We read your path. We, we got it. Yeah. I think we all, the, the, the New York, New Jersey people got it. Like when you talk about that sunsetting, you know, my friend who's been on the podcast before Mary Grace, her family bakery closed in January. Her father passed away a couple of years ago. They sold the property. There was equipment in there from the 1890s. And I passed by Giorgio's and Hoboken and it's gone. It's not going to be there anymore. And You know, I had cousins who had a bakery in Jersey when they closed in the 70s. They Mary Grace's father bought some of the equipment over them. There's so many memories for me in there. And it's like a a sword in the the heart when I pass by because a part of a part of us is gone now. You know, I would go walk in Hoboken. I would stop and it was like cheers. Mary Grace worked in that bakery seven days a week. I'd go. I hang out. I go in the back. I talk to her father and it's gone now. Right. And I'm sure what are they going to make it into? It's going to be a Starbucks or Panera Bread or another uh, another, you know, I don't want to say soulless institution, but another big box kind of chain, you know, and that's what it is. And I, I, and I, and I think that was the bond, because I think so many people, the, the concept of tribe of Italian-American, like we're geographically so far apart. Right. And culturally, there's so much differences between, like, say, the New York metro area and Arkansas. Yet this 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 thread binds us. Right. This sentiment binds us. This, this mourning of the loss binds us.
0: I mean, I think it was really powerful to see how emotional you were and, and to feel like I feel the same exact thing when I look at the condos going up next door to me in Brooklyn when that used to be like La Señora Lina's house that had this big garden and stuff. And then, you know, the the, the Asians started buying up in Brooklyn because they were paying in cash. And, you know, could you blame these Italian families for working hard and wanting to move to the suburbs and getting these big cash offers and selling their homes? And, you know, it just proves to me that it's like my no-no always said, like, we're all bred from the same dough. So even though we're, we're far away, we're totally, we've lived totally different lives, totally different Italian experiences. At the end of the day, we're still Italians who feel the same way about, about the place we, we live in and, uh, and about our culture. Yeah.
2: You know, you talk about being bred from the same dough and there is a a change going on in all these neighborhoods in all of our neighborhoods and places that we call home. And, you know, when you guys were introducing to us that most families in Tonty Town live on streets named after their ancestors. Right. So your last name uh, or your ancestral last name is your street and you live in these sort of compounds of property where, you know, parents live here, grandparents on the other place and then everybody's kind of together it struck me cuz it's not dissimilar from the way i was born in a tenement house with six apartments that was all my family and everybody else around me in the neighborhood was from either the town my grandparents came from called Sanza or three or four towns over uh different parts of Campania but that was our neighborhood and it was this kinship group and you know we're talking about the changes that everybody's going through but let's talk about some of the consistencies and some of the the threads that have kept this community together because you both mentioned the church and this festival is, is all done out of the church. It it felt like everything is done out of the church because the church is right across the street from city hall and the park and the museum. Tell us a little bit about your involvement. Carrie, you're still involved in the celebration of the festival. Tell us a little bit about how it's pulled off and uh, what it means to town and and how people interact with the festival every year.
3: Um, you know, truly, and even back in my childhood, I'm I'm one of the younger generations. But for so many years, or so many decades and generations, the church was the heart of the town. And while it still is-ish, it's it's kind of fading away from that, unfortunately. Um, but still, every year we put on the festival, um, and I believe I would I would probably have to check some records, but I believe it still is the third largest festival in Arkansas Fair Festival. And it's all volunteer. And so we have tens of thousands of people come um, from across the state, from across um, the nation, truly, that come to the festival. And so it's it's five days. It's Tuesday through Saturday. It's the hottest week of the year. It feels like every year. Always, um, always yes. <laughs> or the rainiest. <laughs> and we did have a lot of rain. Uh, y'all were there for the rain on Thursday and the rain went away so the people could come out at night. And so it could be extra humid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Muggy. And but rose hair still looked good, which is annoying. Um, wow. But it's oh, uh, professional. No. All right. This ain't my first rodeo. Oh, well, it's not mine either, but I haven't figured it out. But the ball cap and the ponytail is what I have figured out but yeah, so we, we, like I said, it's, it's months and months of preparation. Um, the great festival committee and chairperson, they get together multiple times throughout the year to start getting things ready for, you know, the carnival and we have to get everything ready for making spaghetti. So we make spaghetti in July and it's a two week long process. And I hope you guys got to see some pictures of that and, and maybe some, some video footage of it too, but the dining hall where the spaghetti dinners were held we line that with all the spaghetti racks and make spaghetti for 4 days and hang it up to dry bag it box it and have it ready for the festival the first week of august and this year i think i think was one of our biggest uh years for spaghetti dinners we served um between thursday friday and saturday we do it from 4:30 to 8:30 so 12 hours in one week i just kind of want to like point that out 12 hours that we serve.
2: Yeah. Let that sink in. Yeah. Let that sink in. It's, it's not that much time really no, to think about it. No,
3: it's in, and of course the preparation is a whole lot of time, but the serving time is, is four 30 to eight three days in one week, we served over 7,800 dinners. So just under 8,000 wow. dinners that we served in 12 hours. And it's just, it's crazy to me every year. And I do it every year and I see it every year but it still blows my mind. And um, we have, you know, the arts and crafts and we have the, the live music, but I, I really think that, you know, besides the, besides the little ones who come for the carnival rides and the teenagers and stuff, you know, that like to come out and do the carnival part of it and, and the rides, the spaghetti dinners, that's what brings people in. And they, you know, we use the word famous and it's true. Like we have famous spaghetti dinners in our area. And it's funny, you know, we were talking about there in the park, we were talking about the different traditions, the the foods that we, that we all enjoy as our families. And here in the South, we just, I really don't even know how the chicken thing became so popular, but if you're coming to Tawny town, you're not going to have spaghetti and meatballs. I mean, you, you can, we have that, but you're going to have spaghetti and fried chicken. And, uh, I love it. I love, I love being a part of it
4: uh i think that what i've always been told too you know in springdale which is next door to us tyson and george's chicken um is based out of springdale so i really think that there was a lot of chicken available um also there one of the things that the italians did whenever they came here was several of them did get into the chicken farming business um so i think that also, that is how we we adopted the spaghetti and fried chicken because it was what was available.
1: Right. My theory on that is, and um, Heather Crowder had asked me this question about Italians and chicken. And like I was discussing with you guys, why I think it came from is that in Italy, chickens, you needed chickens for eggs. So the only time you killed the chicken was when the chicken got so old it could no longer produce eggs. And an, an old laying hen, it's very, very tough. That's why... A lot of Italian chicken dishes, it's it's usually a soup um, to tenderize the meat and to make it into stock. If you had uh, too many males that were born, you would castrate them. So you'd have one rooster and then you'd have capons and they would be fed and they would be killed for a holiday, typically Christmas. You know, the only time you would kill a healthy chicken is if someone got very ill. And that's where the idea of a chicken soup came from, because you'd kill that chicken because the hope was that the protein would give the people the strength. To beat their illness in a, in an age before antibiotics and penicillin, and if it was, Heather, I was I was fascinated by speaking with your father because he talked about um, the polenta and umido. And for a lot of our listeners, you know, the podcast gets criticized at times. Sometimes, justly, that should be the Southern Italian podcast, Southern Italian American podcast, because eighty seven percent of us came from the south. But the one thing about your colony in Tanti Town is everybody is from the north of Italy, predominantly Vincenza. Uh huh. You know that was something that I that you know. Very rarely, rarely do we have the pleasure of having someone from that area uh, as a subject matter for our podcast. And your father was telling us about when he was growing up, they would uh, use rabbits that they caught or other kind of game to put over polenta, right? Polenta umido. Yes. And in the old days in Italy, rabbit was if you were going to go out and hunt rabbit or people kept rabbit, that would be stewed and that would be that would be used as a condiment for either polenta or macaroni pasta, what you will. But what I found fascinating was your identity dish, is the fried chicken and the spaghetti, which is an egg like tagliolini. I would say we would call it with the with the tomato sauce. And I thought to myself, like, it's so indicative of you guys as a people, right, in tanti Town. Because I love what John said. You're, John, what was the phrase you used?
2: Well, to be fair, Kara led me to the <laughs> led me led me to water I just drank. Kara uh, was telling us about how to describe tanti Town to someone, and she said we're a lot of bit redneck and a little bit Italian. And I said, no, you're a lot of bit redneck and a little bit red sauce. Uh, tra- yeah. Trademark for, yeah. for those of us on the call, by the way, if it's just going to split between Italian power shirts and the festival, we're making a T-shirt next year just so everybody knows. So nobody getting any ideas out there in the audience.
1: <laughs> and, and I think that's so indicative because you have people coming from, you know, northern Italy, Vicenza. You have them coming to Tanti Town. They don't have recipes for chicken. So they see their neighbors around them you know, making fried chicken. And so they adapt. Like Italians adapted everywhere they went. They saw what they found around them and they adapted it. So now you have the, the, the carb of, of, of the, the pasta with the tomato sauce, the tagliolini, the spaghetti and the fried chicken. But another thing that really moved me about you guys was when you told me that there was a newspaper article when your ancestors arrived in Arkansas. What did it say? The dagos are coming. Was that the cover?
4: Yeah, dagos coming was the headline
1: right and and they burnt down your catholic church am i correct that's
4: right Mm -hmm. but just like you know i think that any any ethnic group that is moving into a new area um unfortunately gets welcomed that way um i think i hope that our society will move away from that we can be more accepting someday
1: amen but i don't think the italians of the big metro areas, the Chicago's, the New York's. But yes, we definitely had a lot of time the prejudice from other Catholics who were from the Irish, who we were were displacing. Um, That was one thing. But I think people don't realize how tough it had to be for your ancestors to keep an Italian identity, being surrounded by people that did stuff like print on the cover of the newspaper, the dagos are coming or burn the church down. I know. I mean, that's a level of threat. I mean, can you imagine your ancestors sitting around the, what the conversation was when that church was burned down. No. You know, do we stay here? Do we go back to Italy? I
4: know the defeat that they felt had
1: to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think it's such a monument to you guys that you've outlasted them. Yeah. And you've integrated. Right. And now
4: there's so much interest in our story. You know, I think that's what's so beautiful about it is mm-hmm. we all learn how to live together and to love each other. Just take some time.
5: Summer's here in full swing, and we want to know how you Italian-American for the season. The Italian-American podcast is partnering with Mediaset Italia for an exciting giveaway. Just snap a pic of your most Italian-American moment this summer, post it to Instagram, and you could win an exclusive Mediaset Italia picnic pack. The picnic pack includes a portable blanket, picnic basket, cheese board, plates, utensils, stackable wine goblets, and a wine opener. Everything you need for an aperitivo picnic under the sun. How do you get your chance to win? It's easy. Just capture what Italian summer means to you and post your picture to Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at ItalianAmerican and at Mediaset Italia USA. Then tag both accounts in your post. Don't forget to use the hashtag I Italia so we can find it. Post your pictures between now and September 21st and we'll pick 20 lucky listeners to receive their picnic pack in the mail. Open to residents of the continental United States. Visit Instagram at Mediaset Italia for more information, terms, and
3: conditions. Yeah, and I was so jealous of all of you, you know, using the, um, you know, some of your your Italian phrases from your, you know, places in Italy that you're from and um, speaking Italian. And it's something I'm so jealous of because we we lost that. Yeah, and I was telling y'all that it was it was frowned upon, right? You know, they were not welcomed, and so. My, my mamaw used to tell me a story about whenever she started dating my grandpa and she would go into his grandparents, you know, and she would be around and she would tell me, you know, how the, the elderly at the time who all were, you know, mostly on, only spoke Italian and they would stop speaking it in front of their children and their grandchildren and um, they wouldn't speak it.
0: Even our generation, even like my generation, there are a lot of people who, felt tremendous shame in in speaking Italian because they wanted mm-hmm. to assimilate. They wanted to be American. Right. So some people that that are some of my friends whose parents immigrated in the uh, in the seventies and eighties they didn't get to learn Italian for that same reason.
3: Yeah, and it's just sad because, like, and like Heather said, like now everybody has this interest in it, and people say, "Oh, do you speak it?" and and it's so sad because you have to explain to people that you know, it was frowned upon to be Italian and to speak Italian. And they didn't go, you know, they, they didn't go to town, the elderly, they wouldn't go to town because, you know, they feared for their lives. They feared for the the hate that they would receive um, because they couldn't speak English. And, you know, that was something that they forced upon their children and grandchildren is to, you know, kind of lose that tradition, that heritage, the language. And, be, you know, and Americanize themselves, um, and which was the, you know, the point of them coming over, right. Is like for the better life. And that's what they were doing to them at the time, you know, they were giving them the better life by trying to remove some of their Italian heritage. And it's just so tough for me and, you know, and my generation, because they were forced to give that away. And now it's like, we're being forced to, and and not necessarily forced to, because I, you know, want to, but now we're being forced to kind of go back and study so much because we did lose that but there is so much interest in our heritage, in our story. And, um, we're so fortunate. We have people who are writing books about our town and about the settlement itself. Um, Anthony Borgannoni has a beautiful book that just recently here at the winery, he had a, um, a book signing event and, and gave a, gave a talk on that. And we have the so big, this little place, which is so true of Tony town. Um, but that book about, you know, about the town itself and memories, I can't let go of another book. So we have all of these different things. And so while it is still very difficult to pull all of that out and force through with preserving our heritage and preserving our story, we're also very fortunate that we have so many others who are interested in doing a lot of the work as well to help us do that and to help us in our preservation. And um, I love that other places like, because I just feel sometimes so isolated, we talked about it in the park, how like Arkansas right here, we're such an isolated Italian community, Italian American community. And um, so it's so, I don't even know the words that I'm looking for, but it's so amazing to see you guys who are so rich in your heritage and rich in, you know, the Italian American community where you are to want to help us and to, you know, to seek us out and to come see us and to, and when I tell you that it's like, it's so inspirational that, I, feel, I don't know, it feels really lame saying that because inspiration isn't even a good enough word to use for what I feel like our day and a half with you guys did for us. But I'm so inspired by y'all and by what you, um, you know, want to help us do and, and your love for what you saw here in Tawny Town. And um, I don't know, it just gave me a really big push to, you know, to want to do my job even better.
4: I agree.
2: You know, I really appreciate hearing that because for me, I think that the seminal moment of being there. First of all, I was a big fan of the fried chicken spaghetti combo. I, I'm a red sauce guy and I love fried chicken. So I, we ate it three times. It
1: was like two pillars of, of I don't want to say gluttony. Like it was like <laughs> no, it, was. it was like it was, it was like fair. yummy and yummy. Yeah. <laughs> and we ate it yeah. three different
2: times. The best the best was the, the festival itself. I have to say with all respect to the restaurants we visited. but I. I think the two highlights for me were walking into the festival to see everybody getting fed because uh, we didn't really know what to expect, right? They talked about these thousands of people that were coming. But, you know, when we go on these greetings from Italian America trips, we're filming pretty much nonstop. And uh, we were rushing to get to the spaghetti dinner and we pulled into the festival grounds around the church and the line (laughs) to get in First of all, it was 90 something degrees and the humidity was like definitely 99 point something percent. I mean, you just like, uh, yeah, yeah. The minute you get out of the car, you sweat and it's four thirty five o'clock. The sun is just everywhere. (laughs) Roe kept saying the shadows don't know to do their job here because no matter (laughs) where you go, you felt like the sun was just on you.
0: And we're looking at this friggin line and it literally stretched all the way to Oklahoma.
2: (laughs) I know. I know it was it was like three hours. People were waiting for this dinner. Yeah,
3: they wait forever, every year. And I know why it made me so happy.
1: And I'm I'm not trying to like stir stuff up, but their ancestors burned your church down, Right. Because, yeah,
3: I love. No, you you, bring that up, Pat. You bring it up.
1: You were the horde, right? Like we civilized the entire world. But 58 percent of UNESCO World Heritage Sites are in Italy, John. Am I correct? Used to be fifty-seven, but around fifty. think hey, fifty, more or less. Half of the world's UNESCO Her- World Heritage sites come from us, right? We are the cradle of civilization. That's pretty interesting. You know, we are the people of 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 Da Vinci and of Dante and of Marconi. I mean, go on and on and on. But you know, and we were the horde that came in, and they burned your church, and they called you dagos, and they kind of warned the citizens on the cover of the newspaper. And your revenge is you didn't burn their church. And you didn't call them barbarians in the cover of your newspaper. You fed their kids. And now they're online for three hours to buy your spaghetti and fried chicken. <laughs> what greater Italian revenge could you have on these people? Yeah, that's true.
3: You're right. Success for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you say that. So on Thursday, my new role in the festival, well, new, new for the last few years, I should say, but I just got promoted to the ticket taker at the door, the door greeter. You're the bouncer. You say who comes in and who does (laughs) not I do. I do. I do. I get to shut the door in some people's faces and say, not yet, not yet. And um, it's, but it's funny because we see all these Springdale people that come in that, you know, we know, and we know their families. And sometimes I really do think um, there was one time I said it to my friend and I was like, I just wonder if some of these people that are coming here and that love us and love our food and, um, you know, that spend hours and hours waiting to get this one plate of spaghetti and fried chicken, if their ancestors were the ones that like hated our people, like, are their people, the people that were mean to my people. And so it's crossed my mind before actually that I'm like, you know, cause you have these people in Springdale who have been here forever and, you know, generations of that. And so it just makes me think sometimes like, it's just funny how things come full circle. So, you know, like you said, there's no better revenge than, Uh, than the Italian way. And it is, it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm the bigger person. And instead of burning your church and, and ruining your family, I'm just going to feed you and welcome you. And uh, maybe say some cuss words behind your back, but (laughs) but I'm going to feed you.
2: We do win with love. That's who we are as a people.
3: We do. I agree.
2: Yeah. I always say our great secret, the Italian American secret sauce is that we're really, really good at being human beings at the things that make us Humbly human, family, food, mm-hmm. uh, togetherness, music, the, the the joy in the little things. And that's the takeaway that I have from our time in Tontitown, which is, you know, it's not the big little Italy like we have with a bunch of red, white and green neon. And, you know, it doesn't have the gigantic presence that everybody thinks of with some of these Italian communities around the country. But it's really human, and that's why you guys always quote this this little place so big, right? This, this, so
4: big, this little place.
2: So big, this little place, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's got so much heart to offer and such a feeling of community. And, you know, we came in the morning to watch the preparation of the sauce, and we, I often feel when we travel around Italian America, we're met with a little bit of suspicion at first, right? That's normal. And then we tell everybody what we're doing and blah, blah, blah. But... We were obvious outsiders. We sounded and looked like obvious outsiders. One, one guy one guy asked Ro if I was Luigi from Mario Brothers. Um, my new mustache is not popular, but that's all another episode. They thought um, I
0: was Marissa Tomei from My Cousin Benny. <laughs>
2: that, that, that's an easier leap to make, I think. Um, and, you know, we we were definitely getting some side glances. And then everybody started to warm up. And I got so excited about they actually shared the recipe for this, this sauce, which has been made for 120 some odd years
1: unchanged and john's gonna take that to the grave with him i am gonna take it to the grave because yeah I, you will yeah yeah. Don't, yeah don't worry girls
4: he better not publish that
1: no 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 hey, no
4: you publish it and you're going down
2: <laughs> no, you can listen you got 18 acres of commercial field like a, a disappearance right. don't worry
4: <laughs> exactly i'm not
2: doing nothing i'm i'm good
4: we'll dig a hole next to what's its name peanut, peanut. out there Karen. <laughs>
2: Peanut, okay, perfect. Or we'll
4: fertilize our grape vineyards, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> we're still Italian
3: at the end of the day, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: we'll feed you, but we'll put you in the grape, too. Tell yeah,
2: you. No, yeah. I'll I'll be feeding the grapes. No, but, I, but I, the, I started to mention it on the video, and these two ladies came at me like security, and they were like, no, 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 we don't <laughs> tell nobody. And I was like, okay, I'm very sorry. But I was so excited about it because it was like, No skipping a beat. Everybody knew the recipe. Everybody knew their role. And it wasn't just spaghetti and perfectly fried chicken. It was a salad, uh, which is a special Town salad that I fell in love with. It was beautiful homemade rolls. It was a full meal, and it was being made as if it was just by one big family. And I could not have enjoyed that more. And then some nice little lady decided to make everybody homemade cinnamon rolls to replenish the workforce. It was just like, which by the way, were unbelievably good. Mm -hmm. And we were lucky to be able to
1: be included, you know, and not to jump in. I'm going to jump in anyway, because I can't control myself, but (laughs) you know, the reason I jump in is that, you know, Roe and I have often fought the battle of Italians from Italy who come here and criticize, right. You know, you don't, we don't do that there. We don't do this. And they just, they're like a machine gunner. And they shoot you down until they say, well, you're really not Italian. And we know we're Americans. That's true. But if you take away every other aspect, the way that, you know, John, you hit the nail on the head. Like I thought to myself when they had number one, that all the streets named after their own family, which is as Italian as you could possibly get. They all lived on top of each other. That's what we do. Right. We're all next door to each other. You know, how much different was North Avenue in Jersey City where my grandmother, my aunts all lived next door to each other. We were a compound from all these families living on the same couple of. Adjacent farms with houses right next to each other in Tanti Town, you know. And to me, that's the Italianness. You know, the fact that you know someone from Italy is going to say, "Well, we don't make uh, cinnamon rolls." No, you don't. But look at how they all bake together and how they all cook together, and they made the rolls because everybody started so early in the morning that they were hungry and they wanted to make sure everybody ate. Like that's the essence of who we are. So often, I think Row and I are united on this front. Italy loses that because they're saying, well, you know, we don't put that in our sauce, So we don't do this. So we don't do that. And they miss the forest for the trees. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we got to see, you know, that shown forth in our trip this week.
2: Yeah, we got to see it. If you if you go and you dig like I hope we did and, and you do it with love and respect and enthusiasm, I think you're seeing another version of exactly who we are, mm-hmm. living on top of each other, cooking as family, worrying about one another, you know, the, the the little gossip back and forth about who's doing what. And, you know, you guys were sharing with us the details of the uh, Queens of the Festival every year and how the young ladies help each other in some cases or fight against each other in others to get that title. And, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing we all do. You know, it's, it is who we are. Yep. This is who we are.
3: And I love that. I love that you point that out, because sometimes, you know, we forget that that it is who we are and that it's not just, you know, those of us here in Tawny town or, you know, that it's, that it's really a way of life that it doesn't matter where you are or where you came from. It's our way of life and it's who we are and it's in our blood. And I loved, I think that's, that was one of the things And I told y'all that, um, you're never getting rid of me. And I mean that. Hmm. And, but I felt like that was one thing that I just felt so connected. I was like, we had no idea who each other was before I, you know, came up to get you guys from the hotel that morning. And, but we're so much alike and that's just who we are. And I loved, I don't know. I just loved feeling that connection and seeing that who we are here in Tawny town is exactly who we are and who you are in the different parts of the world. And and I love that. We found our people,
1: our people for sure. It's the concept of tribe.
2: Yeah. It's the tribe. He's right. And, uh, it's For us, it's been an amazing takeaway. Uh, I know that it would seem like a place where we'd be able to go and see everything in a couple of days and add it to our Greetings from Italian American playlist, but it's a place and people that I just, for some reason, and I don't get this reaction all the time, by the way, uh, want to see again. You know, we, we always use the term people of the earth as a compliment here. And in, in this case, it was literally people of the earth because of the vineyards and the the farms and everything, but, um, couldn't ask for better, more salt of the earth community. And I do really want to go back. And most particularly the great opportunity I think would be, uh, in the fall because you guys also have a festival smaller just for the Italian families in the community where you, you make, uh, the traditional polenta, right. From your part of Italy.
3: Yes. November, the polenta smear.
2: Polenta, Why is it called a smear?
3: It's just
4: like a polenta feed. Um, I'm not exactly sure why it's a polenta smear either, but that's like the event when you serve polenta
1: and umido. You know why, though, John? I think it is because they pour it on the board. Oh, they smear it on the board. Heather, you know what I'd love to pick your father's brain on? He was talking about so many dishes he remembered from his childhood uh-huh. that were all Vincenzo dishes. Like he said, like, you know, like the sauteed radicchio, right? That's Vicenza, like one hundred percent. Like, I wonder how many dishes that were around seventy five years ago that have kind of gone into dormition. That's right. You know, existed that that were there. That's fascinating. Yeah, that
4: we've just worked out
3: of our menus. Yeah, Yep. Um, over the years. Yeah, yeah. And polenta is one of those. Yeah, yeah. Polenta is like we, you know, we. Heather, how many years have we been doing this? Because this is definitely not as long standing as the Great Festival. No. This is a pretty new to the community?
4: Since the museum has been started, which is in, I should know that, but I don't. I should too. But anyway, it, yeah, it hasn't gone nearly as long, not even half as long as the the festival.
3: And it's on such a smaller scale, but polenta is one of those things that like, you don't, like, we don't make that anymore at home. We don't make that. Um, I know a few families do, of course, but I mean, like my mom, that was one of the main dishes that she ate growing up. And um, just like Heather's dad, Chris was talking about, which my mom is in the same generation as Chris and like her brothers, they would just, whatever they went and killed, that's what they had. They'd have, you know, rabbit umido, squirrel umido, or they would go and get a chicken from, you know, from the field and, and have chicken in it. But we only have that in, in November at the smear. And it's just like, everybody gets together and has palenta and umido. Like it's the, um, you know, like it's just another Sunday dinner.
1: What blend? I would be making eating. I mean, that's, I mean, we had it occasionally because where we come from in Italy, we'd have it occasionally. My grandma used to make it. Um, she cooked a cabbage stufata, like you saute cabbage in olive oil mm-hmm. and garlic, and then they would put raisins in the blend, the raisins. And then you like could bake it and you put the cabbage on top. And that was, that's, but I love it. I would eat it constantly. Tell me
4: again, it's sauteed cabbage with raisins?
1: You get Savoy cabbage, right? So you put, garlic. let's say, two cloves of garlic smashed in the pot with um, olive oil, right? So then you throw in the savoy cabbage and you cook that down, uh-huh. right? So it gets, like, soft. I wouldn't say mushy, yeah, but kind of soft.
4: Okay.
1: I We call it in my dialect bulend with a U, bulend. That's how I would say it, polenta, bulend. And you cook the bulend and you throw raisins in it, right? And the raisins pop up. Now, you can also throw lard in and you can mix the lard in. You can put a little gray cheese in. Then you bake it in the oven so the lard gets it nice and crispy. Okay. Then you cut it in slices and you put it in the bowl so you have the bulanda with the raisins in it. And then you put over it the cabbage stufat. And it's like the most delicious thing in the absolute universe. Wow. I could like cry. That's interesting. Oh, it's, that. You need to send us the recipe. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say.
4: If we're sharing recipes here.
1: <laughs> yeah. You could do so much with boulent.
4: I love cabbage,
2: Pat. You may have to make it and bring it.
0: Well, speaking of recipes, we have to come down there and teach you what to do with pumpkin flowers because what, what we saw there, like you guys are throwing those in the garbage. I know. And like, oh, I'm just, I, I, I'm still not. Yeah, okay
1: we it. wanted like, to cry. We wanted yeah, to no, cry. It, we it, wanted to cry. Very, it,
3: that it, was very traumatic.
1: traumatic. That was very, very traumatic.
3: Well, you should have snagged some and taken them home. Well, you've inspired me because I am on a mission. I, uh, I shared the recipe that you, that you showed me Roe, and, um, I'm on a mission and, uh, we're going to have it this week because I am, I am no longer throwing that in no. the trash. We will have fried flowers.
0: That will be the single proudest moment of my entire career. If I can can inspire you guys to not throw the the pumpkin flowers away and fry them and eat them because they're friggin' fantastic.
3: I'm going to send you a picture.
2: This recipe exchange is very important and it's a reason for us to come back. And I will say, uh, ladies, I'm just going to put this out there. If anybody happens to hunt a wild squirrel in the time between now and the Polenta smear in November, I would be very, very excited for the prospect of trying squirrel in polenta. So just in case anybody has one in the freezer, or you know, they're thinking about making it. Or I'm just saying, if it's going to be on the menu, if there's a possibility, keep me in mind. Uh, save me, uh, you know, a hind quarter or something, because I've always wanted to try squirrel, and trying it in the Ozarks, in the Italian American Ozarks, would be an amazing way to do it. I'd be very excited about that.
3: If you come in November, I will guarantee you squirrel
2: umido oh man that is how do you say no to that
3: that's an offer you
1: cannot refuse <laughs> That's an offer absolutely
2: all right you heard it here folks on the Ten american podcast
1: did bill could never have squirrel and umido i should oh. i should form a governor uh,
3: well we'd uh, have to ask, ask it, around you know? yeah. i'm not
2: sure yeah we gotta find out yeah well i let me tell you i think i speak for all of us in saying thank you guys for your incredible hospitality your patience with us your advocacy for what we're doing and um, it was just a wonderful heartwarming couple days and I really do think we're going to make our way back down there if you let us know as soon as you can when the Palenta smear is going to be I think we'll be down there and I think it's safe to say I hope some of our audience will take up this clarion call and uh, if you're free in the first few days of August next year 2023 and you want to come down to what is sincerely one of the most wonderful and heartwarming communities and festivals in the italian-american calendar make your way to tante town it's got great social media presence and uh the winery's got a great profile and everybody's really available so you can look it up and uh we'll, we'll link it on our show page and definitely make it part of your italian-american bucket list like uh, guys you guys agree with me
1: yeah absolutely and john as i i, I sense your closing I have an additional gazoo. I now have gazoo number two, made in Pennsylvania. Wow. You bought two? Yeah, I got two. I have alternating gazoos. So today I'm going to try gazoo number two. All
2: right. So before we give you the gazoo, you're coming in November?
1: God willing.
2: All right. You're going to bring your cabbage.
1: Yeah. And Roe, are you in?
0: I mean, I am in a place of yes, so you already know. <laughs>
2: That's good. I love it. Well, then, ladies, we look forward to seeing you in November then.
3: Awesome. Oh, I can't wait. And when I say thank you, I appreciate all that you guys are doing, not only for getting Tawny Town's name out there and, and helping us here, but just what you're doing for Italian-Americans and and man, I, I don't say it lightly, but I loved meeting y'all and, uh, and your family. And I love you guys. I really do. It's awesome.
0: We loved meeting you more.
2: Yeah, we did. Oh my heart. Yeah, we definitely did. It means a lot to us. So we're coming back for some more of that good wine and good food and good company. And, uh, Keep an eye on our YouTube channel. Greetings from Italian America is going to be uh, continually coming out, so this episode will be a little bit down the line because we've got a bunch of good adventures coming your way, but definitely one to look for and sign up for our email list to make sure that you see it the day that it comes out. Absolutely subscribe. You don't want to miss this, and we're looking forward to doing it again. So from all of us here at the Italian American Podcast and all of our new friends in Arkansas's Little Italy, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
4: (coughs)
1: My natural misery. This thing this thing, <laughs> hold on. I'm gonna get that's, the other one. The, that, See that Stephanie Longo I went and got a Pennsylvania kazoo that don't play. Hold on. Oh, come on, but right. you gotta
0: when he's done,
2: But you really get it now. You are really in That
0: adorable. sounds freaking awful. See that you're born in an Italiano
2: <laughs>
1: and your life will be great. See that you're born in an Italiano and your
0: life.